1: Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, it's a delight to bring back to the show Congressman David Schweikert, he who represents Arizona's Congressional District 1. Delight to have you, David. I want to talk about a lot of things going on in Washington and really other places as well. But first, this was kind of interesting. You sent me this interesting article, Why the News is So Negative and What We Can Do About It. I learned a lot from it. I'm fascinated by how we appeal both in my profession or yours, how we appeal to people. And it turns out there's this increasing number of studies that show a weird, not weird, but maybe surprising appeal to the negative, um, which I think is kind of interesting, especially when people think of the positives in their life, the etymology of the gospel is good news, right? But people are attracted to a negative thing. Was it as surprising to you as it was to me? Is that a- why you actually, sent it to it me? Wasn't, it wasn't.
2: It was nice to see it actually that well written. Yeah. Okay, for everyone that's listening, Yeah. Um, if you think about it, you've all heard about the studies of if I, I if I have a dollar and I give it to you, you perceive it as a dollar. But if I take it away from you, your emotional state is almost as if you lost two dollars. Right. We, 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 we associate negative, right. losing, twice as, as emotionally as we do positive. Right. And we have to be a moment of brutal honesty, and this is discomforting for all of us. When I need to raise money online, yeah. which I don't do much of because I, I, I can't stand the crap they demand that you <laughs> say. <laughs> yeah, right. I know um, what you mean. You, you say brutally ugly things. Yeah is certain radio hosts, the way they keep an audience is they say brutally vicious things. Mm-hmm. It's, when we do mail, I mean you know and I'm not a sinner I'm a saint not a saint here, I'm a sinner um, when we're often winning an election, we do brutal mail negative because it's effective, it's listened. Mm-hmm. but what happens when it permeates everything in our society? Yeah. Um, uh, our religious service mm-hmm. to the news, mm-hmm. and the news article was interesting. And there was a good example of a few years ago, before the pandemic, 2018-2019. Uh, um, it was the most peaceful time in world history. Mm-hmm. Fewer people were dying in conflicts than any time in human history. Mm-hmm. Economically, it was the most prosperous time in world history. Income inequality was shrinking. Um, uh, set aside, you know, populations who had been brutalized over years were... We're becoming more prop- prosperous. I mean, it was it was a time of joy, and yet the news was viciously negative.
1: Yeah, yeah. It
2: was you know Trump this or this or that, and it turns out um, when you walk someone through the positives, it almost is disharmonious because it's not what we're used to hearing all day long. We have a drumbeat of just brutality, you know. The economy is going to collapse. The world's coming to an end. And when someone says something different to that, you almost get upset. It's sort of like, I believe the budget and the debt is going to destroy the country. But in my next breath, I believe there's a way out of it. You just have to think of the adoption of technology and fiscal constraints and probably curing diabetes. But there's there's a package of things you and I could do so the future is wonderful. I get more crap about the optimism that there is a path that saves us, that there is hope. I will get more negative input sent to me on that than I will talking about how brutal the numbers are. It's, it's
1: That's fascinating. So interesting. Let me let me add to this just another thought, another level, if I can, because in this article you sent me, I, I, let me back up. I'm on a campaign somewhat to you know get people to reduce, if not eliminate. Their social media adherences and and, and fetishes. And I'm, you know, fascinated by the connection of it to the growing mental health crisis, not only in our youth, but in our adult population as well, which is not being studied enough, but a little bit. And in this article, this was interesting. It says, in that peaceful time, that pox universalis that you were describing in that same period, 2016 to 2019, Facebook gave anger emoji reactions boosts five times as much or wait five times as much of a boost as likes in deciding which posts to show other Mm -hmm. users because their algorithms found that anger fueled more engagement than 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 pleasant posts or than happy emojis to to think social media doesn't play a role here is 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 to not be
2: thinking oh the algorithms are absolutely manipulative Um, I had a conversation with someone that said they used to work at one of the big cable networks. Mm-hmm. And she said they used an algorithm they knew when they were writing news scripts on how many times to say Trump's name yeah. or say other things' name to maximize engagement. Yeah, And it, they were typically words that were um, make you, you know, that word agenot, mm-hmm. uh, make you uncomfortable or make you angry. Mm-hmm. And it was pure manipulation. That's actually... I. I think one of the will be one of the great stories of these decades is how many people don't understand um the algorithms are playing on us they're playing us
1: and don't you think that that anger that fueling of that anger really the word mad comes up is leading to some of our mental health problems deficits not only amongst youth but adults madness is related to the word mad after all and i think uh, that this fueling is 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 not it's not it's not the natural state we're supposed to be in um
2: it, I think it's actually deeper than that. Okay. Um, it, it's both the, 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 the how many people are depressed,
1: mm-hmm.
2: are nervous, are mm-hmm. anxious, mm-hmm. or are or, or desperately looking for reaffirmations from very bad places, uh, whether it be narcotics or alcohol or mm-hmm. other things, because... But there's also... We're Americans. Mm-hmm. Even when we do really stupid things or things look dark, somehow we've always had this line of Optimism and hope. Somehow, we've always worked, figured out a way um, to, to to save ourselves, and in some ways, save the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I feel that same
1: the can-do attitude.
2: Yeah, and and, and I and, and so if you pound on people day after day on everything they look at, and it's just the weight of the world, and it's negative. Um, no wonder. Um, we just have a bunch of people forgive my language who walk around all day long and you can tell underneath their breath they're just pissed off yeah
1: there's anger and then there's 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 this other thing going on too there's anger there's depression there's this suck there's this kind of we're we're kind of covid I think did a number on us where people are just kind of getting used yeah, to a to a so. new thing that just everything kind of sti- forgive my language everything just kind of sucks around here we're not going to ever get back to but, you can't turn those flip those light switches back on so and, quickly
2: and one of the things that's happened to me personally is um, like you know we're adopting the little boy in mm-hmm. these 8 8 months or so and i and i and i've had the occasion where i come home and i'm just i'm mad at the world yeah. I, i'm constantly angry because I don't think people are taking it seriously enough on, on on the trouble the country's in and those things, and you grab the little boy and he's giggling at you and mm-hmm. hugging on you, and for a few minutes the world is just joyous. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it gives you that moment to say the reason you fight is for him, and maybe my fight is more honorable if I do it with less anger and maybe more. Um, you know that that this is this this is something God has given me and given me the opportunity the why to try you're to doing make it. a difference. Yeah, yeah. The why
1: the durables? And, and, and so you you're
2: know. Tr- so I'm trying very hard to not. For a lot of the friends that know me, they they say the last couple of years I've just constantly been cranky, and I'm trying to be better. Well, you're, you're that's actually it. why I sent you that article because <laughs> I could almost read myself. In it.
1: You cranky is most people's optimism. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot to make you cranky, <laughs> but you know you do post regularly on some of our serious issues, and there is something to be said if I can just switch this just a little bit to the next kind of related, but next topic, which is if we don't do these things, they if we don't start getting our hands around some of these problems, they get, will get worse. You, I think oh, yeah, it's fair to say it. me, we've been talking about fentanyl for a couple of years now. The world is just waking up, but you know what? It can get worse, and now we're seeing this thing called Trank, which, oh, yes. which is xylosine, nat- which is which is so much worse than fentanyl. We haven't touched fentanyl yet, and now we're already moving on to something even worse than that devil.
2: But, but first you got to walk through. Yep. Why the hell in our society do we have people right. smoking this, right. injecting it, right. however they're taking right. it? What's right. going on in our society right. when I'm adopting a little boy, greatest little boy ever, and his birth mother, um, I, I, the little boy was uh, exposed to these things? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I don't know all the story. I, I never will, and, and in some ways I don't want to. Um
1: do you have another segment Did, in it? Do you have to run? Oh, sure. Let no, me, no, let me no. take the I break. This is spoke. such a big issue. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's take the break on this, and we'll come back and pick up more on it. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Congressman David Schweiker. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman David Schweikert is our guest. We went to the break talking about a few different things, but we were landing on um, the issue, of course, of not only the growing use of fentanyl, but now this even new worse thing called trank, which is xylazine, an animal tranquilizer. You didn't think this could be worse than fentanyl? It can be. Shakespeare says you can't say this is the worst. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But David, you also were kind of trying to make the point too that even. When when things look bad, there's often a rising sun too, right?
2: Well, um, you were thinking
1: back to the late '70s, early '80s. um,
2: Yeah, yeah. As I've shared with you, you know, why were so many of us Reagan babies? Mm -hmm. You know, you had this old guy get up and give a speech, and he was optimistic. Yeah, you're going, wow. Where Carter's telling me I have to wear a sweater and I'm going to live poorer and this and that, and then I had this, and and. If you actually look at the demographics, it was young people right. who were so excited about Ronald Reagan right. because there was optimism. Mm-hmm. Think about what we've done to our young people today mm-hmm. is climate change, the world's coming to an right. end, this is happening. The worse, that the happens. better, it seems like. You yeah. wonder, and, and yet, think about why is that show Ted Lasso
1: yeah. right. doing so well? Right,
2: it, it actually has this crazy sort of optimism yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I know this is hard, but I'm starting to believe, particularly people like me that are the political class that that were given the opportunity to talk to someone on the radio, and, and 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 I'm I'm often incredibly negative, incredibly angry. But I but I but like you saw, maybe you didn't see two days ago, the the new phase one trials on the next generation of a cure for diabetes are allowed to begin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are some amazing things happening around us, and uh, uh, trying to just find that balance in life. And so those of us in the political class aren't always just, it, uh, just such jerks.
1: I understand that, and you're right. I think I think we're you know it's it's a weird thing this this study you sent me mirroring this study that people are attracted to a negative, and maybe that explains so much of the fear and panic throughout COVID and the readiness to believe the worst. And there is this and, and exploit right? people yeah. with yeah. things that exploit just aren't the true. Fear. Yeah, yeah. And you were talking about the 70s. I was thinking a little bit in covid in the 60s the the left was projecting on us the notion that we were a sick society You go back and read some of nixon's speeches he was he kept saying we're not a sick well, society well, we're people, not a uh, sick uh, society I, yeah
2: look I, I, one of the very first books i read is a little tight believe it or not well partially because i teach i had a left-wing crazy teacher that was making the classroom read it the population yeah Ball, right right 1968 right and by you gotta remember by 1980, we were all going to be dead. That's because right. There'd be no food. That's right. And by 1980 or 84, India was a food exporting
1: country. That's right. And
2: because <laughs> that Malthusian, and yet, er, that is his name Ehrlich? Paul Ehrlich, in his yeah. 90s, yeah. And he's 90s, and he's still writing 60 articles. 60 Minutes is bringing 40. him
1: back out. They trotted him back out. I guess things weren't bad enough. But right? he's been wrong. Or wrong enough, yeah, right.
2: Everything. Right, right. It's go back and. Um, the former vice president's movie um inconvenient truth yeah everything in the movie is wrong right they oh, right. it's now what 10 and 15 years yes none yes. of it came true everything is wrong maybe we should stop the people that make money selling us um this crap just destroying our optimism as, as americans Yeah. maybe maybe we need to get
1: some it, it's, it's a misuse and abuse not only of society but of our youth too they did it with Greta Thunberg they tried to use it with Greta Thunberg and they have been yeah. doing it for a while everything from the end of the world as we know it to the eve of destruction. You remember that Barry McGaffrey song from the 60s? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, there is this element that the left always wants us to be at the brink of collapse. I suppose if you're at the brink of collapse, the easier to engage in fundamental transformation, right? Neo-Marxist it, fundamental transformation.
2: Take, well, not only take advantage of it, they also make money off Yeah,
1: us. yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's a terrible thing that we're doing when you think about this crisis that we are now trying to come to grips with. with our youth particularly the mental health part of it that we are we're now just beginning to see i think the beginnings of i don't i don't think we're anywhere midway through it in what we did to them with that fear and panic through covid the fear well, that but, we but implanted to them
2: yeah i i am going to drag you slightly to the side okay um how many articles if you grabbed your publications today would talk about chat gpt so the new ai yeah, right. chatbots right. and the horrible things, the job destruction, and yet, if you dig around, there's articles that say, you you understand how wonderful this could be for the economy, how how in many ways this takes care of so many of our cultural and societal problems and makes information so much more useful and accessible, but almost every publication I come across is negative, And you have to dig for the ones that are the true experts yeah. that say, you know, there's some really good stuff here if we do it the right way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, as long as it doesn't replace you and me. Right, David?
2: Um, well, I, I, trust me. Um, <laughs> I think my – yeah. Hi. <laughs> uh, Hi. I'm not sure either that's worth holding up.
1: You know, one thing, perhaps we have a couple minutes left. I'll just raise this last part, an element of it. One thing I think we have to be wary of is we all have our predilections and our preferences, and that's normal and that's human and that's political. But one thing I want to be a little bit of a cautionary note on to the audience is the for example Trump-DeSantis fight don't let the media make more of it than it is don't 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 get dragged into that I mean well, I, right, they, they, this folks, is where I they think, thrive they love it We I hate it quite frankly
2: well and you gotta be careful because uh, look what is the media? number one thing the media cares about
1: defeating us one
2: no 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 making money okay well then I don't know about us, number that <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree no, no, okay. it, look it, it's, it's always about the money okay. I remember my family philosophy money power vanity okay um, but just like, you know, we get exploited, and they exploit our emotions, and they also exploit our, our love and caring for the country. And they're often doing it to either get our eyeballs or our checkbooks. Um, and I think the public is growing up and realizing how exploited they've been hoping, over the last few years. I'm hoping. I'm hoping.
1: I'm hoping um I never again man never again I mean we're going to have to be dealing with the the downwash and backwash from this for years to come peace Oh and, absolutely peace look, and, look at
2: what we've done to the kids uh, and their education uh,
1: Absolutely the kids the education absolutely absolutely Well David I'm glad you're there and I'm glad uh, to have you on today and as well And this always.
2: was a different conversation yeah, right? sure. it was I hope we didn't get too philosophical. I hope we did.
1: I hope we did. (laughs) I like the philosophical. This is the stuff uh, that we're supposed to be talking about. David, you're great. I appreciate you, sir. Go get them. Thank you. You betcha. I am Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. We're coming back, actually, with an interesting uh, professor from ASU, uh, Don Siegel. We had him on throughout COVID. He, like me, was writing a lot of articles warning about what some of those COVID protocols were going to do to our youth and some of the, um, the, uh, shall we say, ancillary effects that uh, the mandates were going to yield in a negative sense. Today we have an article in the Arizona Republic talking about all that was predicted, and I sit here with people like Don or Hugh Hallman or others saying, boy, if only someone would have paid attention to what some of us were warning about, we would have saved all this social destruction, a lot of social destruction, and probably more to come. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a privilege to welcome back uh, an old friend, Professor Donald Siegel. Among other things, he is the Foundation Professor and Co-Executive Director at the Global Center for Technology Transfer at the School of Public Affairs at ASU. We had him on throughout much of 2020-21 and 2022, uh, particularly talking about his articles, many of which he wrote with his uh, colleague, uh, Dr. Sauer, Robert Sauer. On the dangers of the lockdown, he wrote articles uh, like uh, COVID child abuse and imprisonment uh, with titles like that and uh, the need to resist so we are not stuck on stupid time to dismantle the public health police state warning about particular effects on mental health and children. Uh, Today, the Arizona Republic has a big article on some of those effects, and I sat there reading it thinking, well, if only people like Hugh and Don Siegel, myself, if only, if only we were saying these things. And we were. People weren't listening. Professor Siegel, welcome back. How are you, sir?
3: Thank you, my friend. Great to be back.
1: I'm sorry uh, that we have to go through this, but we now have to go through this. Arizona, I'm reading from the Arizona Republic. Arizona now shows several indicators of distress and rising mental health needs, including higher numbers of people seeking grief support. uh, Consistently high call volumes to the suicide hotline. State data shows suicides in Arizona reached a 12-year high. Last year, evidence indicates substance use disorder, exacerbated by loneliness, untreated mental illness, and unresolved trauma, rose during the pandemic. Again, Professor, if only someone were saying those things, huh?
3: Well, you know, we predicted that there would be collateral damage. And there's actually a great website that uh, Jay Bhattacharya of the Great Vatican Declaration has called Collateral Global. Yeah, Uh, It kind of documents all of the collateral damage caused by the public health police state. Uh, And most, the worst of it is with the kids and the teenagers. The worst of the collateral damage, uh, childhood obesity is up, Uh, as you know, mental health among teens especially uh, has been degraded, Uh, learning loss. I mean, you could go down the line. All the things that we said would happen when you shut down schools, when you shut down playgrounds, extracurricular activities, when you force them to wear muzzles uh, for eight hours a day, uh, you place them six feet apart, it destroys them socially, economically, psychologically, and physically. And that's exactly what's happening. And even uh, conventional outlets, I mean, conventional studies from Columbia. I saw one the other day from Columbia and Cornell uh, that this is the same thing nationally that you say is happening in Arizona. Yeah. It's even worse in the yeah. blue state, yeah. by the way.
1: Of course it is, yeah. where the where the restrictions, where the uh, protocols were heavier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I'm curious to know, Professor Siegel, how, you know, it was – I guess in a way unpopular to say those kinds of things. I know I was censored here and there and I know I got pushed back even in conservative journals from old conservative friends uh, early on uh quite surprising to me but I'm curious from your perch at a university uh, how much of a how much of a pariah were you seen as for raising these warning signs if at all were you were you seen as a pariah?
3: If- actually is pretty good when it comes to free speech okay. compared to most universities. So I was protected, which it was remarkable because I said a lot of provocative things. Yep. And I called it in March of late March in 2020. Yep. I said, this is an unethical, idiotic experiment. They're mm-hmm. experimenting on it. Mm-hmm. without our consent. This is unethical. Remember, uh, that was the first essay that we had great difficulty publishing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, where we said, look, you look, you guys, this is radical. This collectivist approach uh, is exactly the opposite of what we've always done. We've always done the uh, approach that was articulated in the Great Barrington Declaration. Rational, sane, efficient, focused protection on those who are most vulnerable but no instead we went down this collectivist religion we adopted a state-run religion with all the tenets of the the religion all the papal edicts mm-hmm. and don't forget the three tenors of the coronavirus lockdown chorus remember the two cuomos and yep. fauci yep that's exactly right.
1: Let me take a quick break. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming up, Professor Siegel. If you'll bear with me, I'll take a quick commercial break. Donald Siegel, Professor Donald Siegel is our guest, foundation professor at uh, Arizona State University School of Public Affairs. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Professor Dr. Donald Siegel, Foundation Professor of Public Policy and Management, School of Public Affairs at Arizona State University. We're taking a look back at some of the things um, he and I and friends like Hugh Hallman were saying, and that uh, we were kind of scorned and shunned for saying at the time with regard to the COVID mandates and protocols. But now the stories are coming out, uh, cold vindication, vindication nonetheless. the Professor Siegel, I'm curious, you did fine at ASU because of its commitment to free speech and academic uh, academic freedom generally, but you do travel in the professoriate circles. And I'm just curious, has any of the community you travel in, or even amongst your acquaintances, has there been any recognition? Has there been any kind of uh, regret? Has there been any kind of... Uh, any kind of a remorse over what they were saying contra what you were saying during uh, during those three lousy years?
3: Uh, it's slowly starting, you know, because the chickens have come home to roost yeah. all over the world. Yeah. The collateral damage. Uh, you know, I'll give you another stylized fact. Yeah. Uh, childhood obesity. Yeah. For example. Yeah. The body mass index has nearly doubled. Yeah since the pandemic. And that, of course, is a predictor of all kinds of uh, negative health outcomes in the future. And, you know, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. And we also knew that, uh, you know, this had dire consequences because the only um, variable that matters when you try to predict what uh, reduces childhood obesity is school attendance. Yeah. Yep. You know, I've looked at all the studies, and childhood attendance is the most important factor in reducing childhood obesity for a variety of reasons. So interesting. Uh, right? You get better nutrition in school. There's a little bit of a shame factor, mm-hmm. uh, and you get physical activity. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Schools are closed. Yeah. All physical activity is banned. Uh, And you're eating, you're sitting in front of a computer and eating all day. And not surprisingly, the increase in, in obesity is worse among children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, ironically enough, one of the factors of well, one of the greatest factors of morbidity with if and uh, unfortunately, if you do get COVID, I mean, this the, the the insanities here stacked upon stacked wasn't the gyms weren't the gyms one of the first things we closed to. I mean, it was just the, the athletic centers. I mean, it just I, I have a friend who likes to, to run casually at the junior college in his neighborhood. They roped that off, chained that off. No public use of the outdoor outdoor Track, you know. I mean, the insanity here is 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 was incredible. And I guess uh, the other question I would ask you, speaking of students, uh, Professor Siegel, have you seen a change of the students that you teach that you encounter? There's something intangible going on in this country coming out of COVID. There's kind of this. I don't know if malaise is the right word. I, I've been saying there's this general suck. There's this looking down at our shoes, there's this weird cloud still hanging over this country. It's intangible. It's not perfectly articulable. I think you probably know what I'm saying. But it's done a number on this country on things that we can't actually put numbers on and put data on, too.
3: Well, the uh, I, I, we use the analogy of Stalin's plucked chickens okay. to talk about what, what the uh, public health police state did to the mental state of our young of our young people who, ironically, were at minimal risk uh, right. of, of of dire consequences from the virus, and they're still walking around right. in fear. I yeah. think a lot of them I see I still see a lot of them wearing these emo- what I call emotional support masks. You know, because <laughs> it, 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 they're still fearful. Uh, you do see a lot of that, even on campus. And when I go to other parts of the country, it's even worse. Luckily, we've been able to travel, and we've had conferences once again. Uh, by the way, that's the other thing. That's re- it's really affected graduate students and Ph.D. students. We have quite a few of them. They were not able to attend any of their conferences. Yeah. Um, it's hurt. It's been detrimental to their careers just as it's been to everyone. Yeah, uh, the education
1: the, deficits we keep talking about at the elementary and secondary level, that, that that's the one a lot of us have focused on, especially with that National Assessment of Education Progress and the reversal of the gains we made there. I hadn't thought about higher education as well. I hadn't thought about that.
3: Oh, higher education, as you know, they were the most enthusiastic supporters yeah. of public health policing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they erected all of these protocols, ridiculous ones. I was tested 15 times.
1: Is that right? Yeah, you, <laughs> Is that right?
3: You no. Know, you, you know why I was tested? Because the algorithm was such that if you showed up to work, I was one of the few. I, I went to work every single That's day. That's right.
1: I remember. Yep.
3: Every single day. So if you showed up at work, your reward was that you got tested more frequently.
1: Yes. 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 Now,
3: we are having a big problem at universities, and I'm sure this is true at other uh, institutions. People are not showing up at work, they, and they expect to work remotely two or three days a week. It's not just uh, work, it is, it's, it's school too.
1: That was another story we were covering yesterday. You know, we doubled the absentee rate at school. I mean, what do you at elementary and secondary schools it jumped from like 12% to 22 24% absentee rate. And I suppose, you know, you remove the organ and demand the function, this is what you're going to get. We have spent how many generations telling kids school's important, you got to go to school. They wake up not wanting to go to school. School's important, you want to go to school. And then we nationally and with Martinet like uh, uh, unifying chorus told him, "Well, school's not so important." Well, turns out they believed us. Well, okay, fair enough. I think I, I, we got we got we got the gist there. I'll, I'll repeat it. Um, if he comes back, I'll just repeat the study that we were talking about that came out yesterday. Just in Arizona, the absentee rate practically doubled amongst our elementary and secondary students. It took us a long time, but Hugh Holman was saying, you know, what takes years to build and ins- and 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 implement. And implant and as a mind in the mind, or as a cultural value, what takes years, decades to do, can be shut off overnight. And we shut it off overnight, and these are one of the light switches that we find it uh, really hard to um, really hard to turn back on. And of course, now you tell me how we're going to get through this. You you tell me how we're going to see substance use disorder. Uh, rising during the pandemic. In some cases, uh, rising mental health needs doubling, uh, people needing uh, suicide, uh, hotline crisis, hotline access and counseling. You tell me in cases of doubling that how we're going to get out of that so quickly. We're not going to get out of it so quickly. We're still going to be dealing with it for years and years to come. It's an alarming rise in mental health problems, according to the University of Arizona College of Medicine and a conference they just hosted called Psychiatry for Non Psychiatrists. It's unfortunate we have to have those conferences now. It's also unfortunate people weren't listening to those of us who were warning about it earlier. We got Professor Donald Siegel back. Sorry we lost you there for a moment, Professor, uh, but any concluding thoughts you have, I'm glad to have you back, and I'm glad to have you not only as a friend but as a guest as well.
3: Well, I thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it, it's really sad to see how this is destroying our young people. Yeah. And it's going to take a long time, a long time to recover if we ever do, because these disruptions were unprecedented yep. and they occurred on so many dimensions. I mean, you're talking about rituals, uh about, uh, you know, uh, that didn't take place, trips that didn't take place. Uh, in addition to the education losses, right. the rise in obesity, the rise in anxiety uh, all the other uh, you know kind of uh stress related pitting children uh, against
1: one another su- using children to yeah. soothe adult anxieties, yeah, you betcha torture yeah.
3: and uh it the learning loss alone is is astronomical um, and uh, the economic loss that these children will have to uh, suffer because right. of this, and families. That's right. Um,
1: Billions of dollars gonna... over their lifetime. You saw some of that research Eric Hanushek was doing up at Stanford on this. You know, no, it's an incredible hole we've dug ourselves in. And, and that's the thing. Roosevelt asked Churchill what they would call World War II, and Churchill said the unnecessary war because it didn't have to happen. This, too, could have been the unnecessary. The unnecessary. It didn't have to happen on. It just didn't have to happen, and we did it to ourselves. But uh, we labored on, and it was good to do it with you, and you and I will stay in touch continually. By the way, thank you for the tip on that Jay Bhattacharya website, Collateral Global. I've been looking at it during the ble- break. It's tremendous. Collateralglobal.org, folks. Uh, Don Siegel from ASU. Thank you, sir. Thank you, friend.
3: My, my, my pleasure. We'll thank ta- you, sir. We'll Seth.
1: talk to you soon. God bless. I'm Seth Leapson. A lot more coming right up. We'll be right back